excited. Um, I know there was a whole group of people here on the morning last week, not just writing encouragements for the volunteers that were serving, but also for the teachers of the school. Um, so this week coming, we're going to take those letters over, kind of a return of what they had prepared for us, and there's a letter for each and every teacher to encourage them in what they're doing in our community, which is so cool, isn't it? It was so cool to see that there was subject for everyone. It was something for everyone to get involved. Um, I know, where is he, Clive, was out here in the room fixing bikes um, for the education support centre with Jack Jow. Um, the teachers were blown away, um, blown away that you actually got through all, how many, eight were there? Nine? Nine bikes? He's exaggerating, there were three. Um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Well, uh, it happened this week. It happens this week. And I'm kind of wondering where this year has gone. I don't know about you, but we kind of say that every year. And I'm wondering if like, the psychologists around us can look into why it seems like it's creeping earlier and earlier towards us. You see, I felt like I was a lone soldier in our house this week with my back against the door holding the enemy out. The problem was the enemy was my wife on the other side of the door with a bauble and tinsel in the hand, kicking down the door, saying, it's Christmas time. <laughs> it's November, it's not Christmas time. I battled hard, I battled valiantly, I battled passionately. We used our daughter against each other, um, like all good parents do, but I lost. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Who's my Christmas is for December crew? Who's my Christmas is for December? Yeah. And I don't want to know about the other people. <laughs> now, I am, I am excited about Christmas, and most of you will learn this about me um, at Christmas time, but I can be referred to a little bit of the Christmas Grinch. But I'm excited about Christmas. It's just a perspective thing. You see, when I see all the tinsel and the baubles and the trees, all I see is hard-earned cash that could be spent on gifts for all of you, but especially me. I love receiving gifts, and so I'm excited about Christmas. I'm also excited about Christmas because we've got a baby on the way. Four or so weeks left, it could very well be a Christmas baby, not baby Jesus, um, but probably second to him. Um, no, it's the second addition to our family, so I'm excited about Christmas. But don't just take my word for it. I want to know why you're excited about Christmas. Manny, why are you excited about Christmas? What's your favorite thing about Christmas? Being with family, that's pretty cool. What we, who we got here? Win, the man, what are you excited about Christmas for? Ooh, he got spiritual on me. God's practical love. I love that. I love that. Who we got here that I can pick out that's trying to cower away? John Mortimer. Go on, hit me with it. Hit me with it. What are you excited about Christmas for? Family. Awesome. Anka. Eating food. I forgot about food. Oh, I am excited about Christmas. But life doesn't stop for Christmas, does it? Our circumstances go, don't go on holiday at Christmas, do they? Our marriages don't go on holiday at Christmas. Our debt doesn't go on holiday at Christmas, although we think it does. Our grief doesn't go on holiday at Christmas. So I'm conscious of those who are among us 
who maybe think that Christmas isn't for them because they're not in the Christmas spirit. And I know for all of us, we know what it's like at times to plaster on a smile and put on the face for the season, but really on the inside, it doesn't feel like this season is for us. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have to tell you this morning that if you are struggling, if you are battling, if you feel low right now, if you are in despair right now, Christmas time is your time. Christmas is exactly what you need. Why? Well, if you look at Matthew 1, verse 23, it says, The virgin will conceive, speaking of the virgin Mary, Jesus' mum, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. That's the promise. That's the reason for the season. Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ in Christmas, the proof in the pudding, the incarnation, God who would enter earth to dwell among us. God with us, Emmanuel. So I got to tell you that if you are high on the mountain, kicking goals, or if you are low in the valley, this Christmas is your Christmas because God is with you. Christmas reminds us that He is there for us. So tell someone beside you that Christmas time is your time. You don't sound excited about it. Put on the fake smile and tell them Christmas time is your time. One more time. Yeah, yeah. That's a little bit more energetic. That, December, that, that January is Christmas time crew should have been yelling at that point. But we're going to navigate over the next three weeks this question of where are you, God? If God is with us, then where are you, God? Where are you, God, in the valley moments of life? Where are you, God, in the storms of life? Where are you, God, in the wilderness moments in life? And this week, if you haven't guessed it by the picture behind me, it's a picture of a valley. We're going to journey through what it means to be what it means for God to be with us during the valley moments of life. Can I pray? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your promise that you are with us. Lord, this morning I pray that you would speak to every one of our hearts. Lord, that you would speak to our circumstances and that we would walk out these doors with a changed perspective on what it means for you to be with us. Lord, would your presence be tangible and felt this morning as well as your love and your peace, and your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to use a passage from Psalm 84 to unpack this. And the writer of Psalm 84 in our Bibles paints this picture. He says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rain also covers it, with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The psalmist paints this picture of pilgrims, of people making their way towards God. But before they make their way towards God, they pass through the valley, the valley of Baca. And Baca in the Bible 
means valley of tears or place of weeping. So the pilgrims are the people on their way to God pass through the valley of tears. Isn't that interesting? And we use this term valley all the time, not just in church, but in society. And like we've said, it represents the battles in our life, the sometimes low points in our life. And I don't know about you, but the question that I ask in these moments, and, and even if you don't call yourself a Jesus follower this morning, you're probably asking this same question, why? Why, God? If God is real, why do I have to go through the valley? If God is real, why do I have to go through the valley? And I'm not really sure I have the best answer for that. I know that we live in a broken world, and sin entered it with Adam and Eve, and so it's broken. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But it's also dark and evil at times as well. And Jesus never said it wouldn't be. In John 16, verse 33, he said, In this world, you will have trouble. It's the most encouraging scripture in the Bible. It is. It actually is. Because sometimes we can think that we have to not be in trouble in order for God to be caring and loving about us. But actually, it encourages me and says, In this world, you will have trouble. But we are talking about God with us. So Jesus also said in Matthew 28, 20, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But in this world, you will experience trouble. And I don't have all the reasons, but I do have one thing. He is the God who is always with us. He's the God that continues to love us. He's the God that walks alongside us. He is the God who steadies us in times of trouble. He is the God who brings everything to good. Emmanuel, God with us. And I might not feel him in the valley. I might not feel him in those moments of life. But his presence isn't dependent on my feelings. His presence is dependent on his promise. His presence isn't dependent on my feelings. His presence isn't dependent on your feelings. His presence is dependent on His promise. Emmanuel, God with us. Fantastic. Where is He? I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a bit of a literal thinker. And I kind of go, yeah, where? Where is God? And because as much as God is with us, the valley is still a valley right? As much as God is with us, the valley is still a valley. So I want to journey through three things that help us walk through the valley, because Jesus never said he's going to take us out of that valley. He can, he may, he has, but that's not the promise. The promise is God is with you. So we're going to look at Psalm 84 and unpack three things that help us walk through the valley after I have this drink. The first thing is that we need to identify the source of our strength, the source of strength. Psalm 84, 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, speaking of God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Have you ever come to the end of yourself, to the point where you have nothing left to give? I did a couple weeks ago. I returned from America and um, purchased a gym membership. You can put two and two together. <laughs> but uh, my fast food membership ended when I came back from the US. And no, I have stuck, for those of you who know my goals for this year, I've stuck to my commitment of no McDonald's, no HJs, and no KFC all year. 
but America has so many other options. <laughs> I learned a good thing about goals this week. Don't set a goal based on the actual venue. Set it on what's wrong. Don't eat unhealthy food. But hey, I'm sticking to that goal, right? So I got myself a gin membership, and I have just come to the end of myself. I had nothing left to give. Day one, I was a full five minutes into the workout. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? Any, yeah? Yeah. And I, it's Josh Brew, mate, you're in the gym every week. And so I've started, and I'm doing these exercises where you have a pole and you go up and down. I don't really know what the technical name for it is. But you see, the problem with this is, as I'm going up and down, I can only go, and I'm doing it on my own, right, because I'm not inviting anyone to work out with me until I'm, like, huge. And I'm like, yeah, come to the gym with me. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm there. Oh, man, I'm really exposing my insecurity here. Um, and I'm doing these exercises, but I can only go for a far, as far and as long as I can get back up, right? Otherwise, I'll look like a fool trapped on the floor with the weight over the top of me. Everyone understands that, don't they? So on your own, you can do these squat things with the weight over your head. But with a partner, a coach, or like I had my dad when I was playing footy, coming into the gym and supporting me, I no longer have to answer the question of what happens if I can't get back up again. Because he would be there for me, and I'm going up and down, and I'm kind of getting tired already in the knees. Um, and sometimes there's a pole. <laughs> I'm doing that, but I think in reality in the gym, I'm really just going up and down with no weight. I haven't got to the pole yet, let alone the weights on the end of it. Um, and so I, in the gym, I'd be going like this, up and down, and dad would begin to see my knees wobble, and he'd kick into gear. Come on, son, you've got this. You've got this. You can do it. I've seen you do it before. One more. One more. And I could get out a few more repetitions until I just couldn't get back up. And in that moment, he was there to reach out his hand and support the pole up and down. And I would get out a few more until finally I could just not go any further. And he was there to grab the pole as I collapsed to the floor. A oh, full 10 reps into it. <laughs> You see, the only reason that I would keep going is because I trusted that he was there to catch the pole when I couldn't get back up again. And I'm kind of reminded of the scripture in Isaiah 41 that says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 and Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though our knees collapse, though we fall over in embarrassment and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. See, when you are in the valley and you're pinned down by the weight of life, God is the one there shouting, I've got this, so you've got this. Keep going, don't quit. One more, one more. He's shouting, Kim, you've got it, mate. Keep going. He's shouting, John, you've got it. Keep going. But you have to keep pushing. You have to keep moving. And then your words can become like David's words. When the source of your strength is God, your words can become like David's words in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
for you are with me. Emmanuel, God with us. He's the God of the mountain and he's the God of the valley. And you can get up, you can push on through, you can keep fighting because he is the source of your strength. So I want to ask you, what is the source of your strength? Is the source of your strength your bank account? Is the source of your strength your job title? Is the source of your strength even the friends and the family around you? Is the source of your strength what people say about you? Is the source of your strength a box of pills in your bedside table that no one knows about? Is your source of strength a bottle? What is the source of your strength? Because Psalm 84 tells me that blessed are those whose strength is in Him. Blessed are those whose strength is in Him. The source of our strength has got to be God because He promises to be with us always. What's the second point? The second point is make movements. Psalm 84 verse 6 says, As they pass through, say pass through, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they're moving. I know that you know what the valley feels like, but do you know that the valley is not your destination? The valley isn't your destination. What you're going, going through is not your destination. It's just a detour. The valley is not your destination, so don't stay where you got stuck. We've got to get unstuck, and some of us have got stuck in pain. Stuck in doubt, stuck in grief and stuck in unforgiveness. And I know that pain is real. I know what you are going through is real. And I don't want to minimize that. I just want you to lift your vision a little so that you would see that God is with you and that your struggle wouldn't be your lot in life. That your struggle wouldn't be your definition, who you are. That the valley and what you're going through isn't you. Because the valley is not your destination. The valley is simply a detour. I love this statement. We say it a lot at East Lake Church. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Psalm 30 tells me that weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Psalm 126 says, Those who go out weeping and carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy. Joy is your portion. Joy is your destination. And some of us have got to get unstuck. But how do we get unstuck? We get unstuck by changing our thinking. We get unstuck by changing how we speak about our circumstances. Because it's time to start hoping. It's time for faith to arise. It's time for us to start speaking life into those circumstances because God is Emmanuel, God with us, so we can keep on moving. I like this quote that I heard recently. It says, we can become so blinded by the grief of the valley that we miss the God of the valley. It's time to make some moves. If we want to make it through the valley, We've got to know who the source of our strength is. And if we're going to make it through the pain and the struggle, we've got to keep on moving. 
And I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying and what Psalm 84 is saying because it, it doesn't necessarily say that you know, the, the valley is going to end and then you're going to enter this good part in your life, but it's talking the destination of heaven. And you may journey through that valley for the rest of your life. But I'm telling you that it is very, very different journey when you have the hope and the love of Jesus in your life. Yeah? And that's the third point. I want you to know that the valley is not a waste of time. The valley can be a time of transformation. Psalm 84, 6b says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. This time of pain, this time of hardship, this time of struggle, and I don't know what your struggle is. It's probably racing through your mind right now. It may have even almost stopped you from coming to church this morning. Whatever it is, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of hope. They make it a place of victory. How? Well, if you've ever find yourself in a dry or desert area looking for water and extremely thirsty, how many of us have found ourselves there? Probably not many. So we might not know the answer to this question, but what do you do if you need water? Do you look to the left, the right, up, hope for rain, keep moving? No. Someone's signing it to me over here. We look down. We dig. We dig to find water, right? We dig a well. And that's what we need to do. We need to start making space. We need to start making room in our lives. Whatever was robbed from you, start making space for it. Dig a well for hope. Dig a well for peace. Dig a well for faith. Dig a well for energy. Dig a well for the strength to forgive. Whatever it is, make space for it. Craig Rochelle says, if you dig it, he will fill it. And that's what Psalm 84 is talking about. It says they make it a place of springs, but then what happens? The autumn rain covers it and makes pools. You need to dig a well. You need to make space. And maybe it's space for others in your life. Maybe it's space in time for you to invest in that thing. Whatever it is, make space for it. Because the valley, as much as it is a place of great challenge, it's also a place of victory. Because the battle is fought in the valley, right? The battle is also won in the valley. We don't go there to die. We go there to overcome. You don't go to the valley to die. You go there to overcome. So let's wind all the way back to what Jesus said in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. But what's the rest of it? But take heart. I, God, Jesus has overcome the world. You might feel like dying. You might feel like crawling up into a ball. You might feel like giving up and quitting. And if you find yourself there, I have to tell you that Jesus has overcome the world and God is with you. The valley can be a place of springs. The valley can be a place of hope. The valley can be a place of victory if we make it. We make it a place of springs. And I've never understood how people journey through places like hospital on their own. Lee and I have spent a fair few years walking the corridors of hospitals with our daughter. And in the last few weeks, we've spent a fair bit more time there as well. And you pass people through the corridor that have got far 
more devastating diagnoses than we do. Far more devastating circumstances when, than we do. And statistics would tell me that the majority of them aren't followers of Jesus. And so it breaks my heart to see them try and journey, and I wonder how they make it through. But you know, statistics would also tell me that a lot of parents, the majority of parents of special needs kids, don't make it. They separate. They divorce. You see, there is a world out there. There is a community out there who need the hope of Jesus, who need to know that God is with them. God is with you. You know, I'm reminded of when Lee and I stood over Piper in the ICU just after we got her diagnosis on five weeks into the journey. And we prayed this simple prayer, God, help us, give us, give Piper the best life possible. A simple prayer, God, help us. And you can argue with me all you want, but I know the moments that his right hand stepped in and grabbed that pole and continued to move it. He didn't teleport us out of the valley, but we knew that his strength and presence was with us always. And it's with you too. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. God is with you. It's simple in concept. It's profound in application. And a final thought, as every good preacher says, <clears throat> secret point six. If the band could come up. I wonder if you've ever thought about the fact that God could have called his son anything. You could have called him Aaron. You could have called him Douglas. That's his middle name. He could have called him Scott. Because the Israelites had many names for God. Elohim, the living God. El Roy, the God who sees me. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. El Shaddai, the God Almighty. But when God thought about his son, his promise was Emmanuel. He got very specific. Because God's purpose is to be with us. His greatest desire is to be with you and to be with me. And how did he fulfill his greatest desire? How did he fulfill that promise? Did he come down into a palace? Did he come down with flames and arrows roaring? Did he come down in a big golden whatever? What do you call it? Chariot? I was going to say robe, actually. <laughs> I don't, is that the universal symbol for chariot? I don't know. No, he came to earth in a dirty manger. He came to earth as a baby with a price on its head, the son of a carpenter. He came into the earth weak. He came into the earth meek. He came into the earth somewhat helpless. He came into the earth in darkness so that he could be with you when you're in darkness, when you feel helpless, when you feel weak, when all you feel is meek. He left heaven to be here with us. But the story doesn't even end there. Because 
He didn't just enter earth to be with us. He entered earth to die for us. There was a plan far bigger than we could imagine from the moment of Christmas. His plan to redeem the whole world to Him. Our brokenness, our sin. The reality is we could never measure up to perfection. We could never measure up to what it takes to enter heaven. Just look at the Ten Commandments. Most of you would know those. We could never measure up. None of us could live that perfect life, but He came to live that perfect life for you, to experience the same pain, to experience the same temptation for you. And I'd like you to bow your heads in this moment because I want to give an opportunity to anyone that wants to invite Jesus into their life, that wants to identify Jesus as the source of their strength. And as you keep your eyes closed, I'm actually just going to read you a little testimony from Taylor, who's getting baptized right after the service that we're all going to celebrate with her. And she said, I grew up in a Christian home and went to church for a great deal of my young life. But there was a stage I stopped, a decision I hardly remember now, during a turbulent time in my family. My life till now, I would have said, has been blessed with good fortune, raised on Christian values and with what I would describe as a personal relationship with God. I rarely involved myself in religious discussion with my atheist or often agnostic friends. It was with great relief that I wrote this testimonial, able to finally admit to many that I am making a choice, that this time to welcome Christ into my life. And suddenly in my young adult life, I was meeting people that found comfort in Christ and the fellowship of church, and I wanted that for myself. I had always thought of myself as Christian, but I knew little of the Bible. I didn't go to church, and I had conflicting views with some of the popularized religious opinions in the media. It was here I sought answers. I started reading the Bible again. I came to church with the fear I wasn't perfect. I wasn't this perfect Christian person. What I came to find was Jesus was more than willing to love me, more than willing to accept me for my flaws. And I decided I want to make the choice this time and not worry about the opinions of a select few. I know this is the right decision and it's something I feel prompted to do to deepen this closeness with God. It's my next step. As your eyes are closed, I want to ask that question, what is your next step? Maybe there's something moving on the inside of you. I want to invite you to take the next step to decide to follow after Jesus, to invite Him into your heart, the source of your strength. Your circumstances won't change. Being a Christian isn't all sunshine and roses, but it is full of hope, full of purpose, and full of love. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand quickly as everyone's eyes are bowed, bowed and closed. I just want to identify you so that I can pray with you. Is there anyone out there that wants to make that decision today? Awesome. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, Lord, I thank you that you came to earth not to condemn, but to save. Lord, I thank you for your grace that says in your eyes we are perfect, not because of what we have done, not because of what we will do, not because of even who we are now, but who we are becoming in you. 
according to your grace and our belief and faith in you. So Lord, we dedicate our lives to you this morning. We ask, Lord, that through our valley moments that you would be there. We know you're there because you promised it, God. But Lord, we open our hearts and our ears this morning to hear you shouting, we've got this. To hear you shouting one more. To hear you shouting, I take the weight when you fall. Lord, let our eyes always be focused on God. Let us always know that destination is not the struggle. The destination is eternity with you. And Lord, we thank you for what you did on the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to worship with all of that passion. And please do not leave because we've got three beautiful women getting baptized right after the song through that curtain. And I want to invite anyone else that maybe has recently made a decision to follow Jesus but hasn't yet been baptized. We would love to baptize you. Pastor Bron is going to be up the back. We've got spare clothes. We've got spare shorts. We've got towels, everything you need to be baptized today. We've got even special shirts this week that say today is the day. So if that's you, we'd love to baptize you today. But why don't together, as a church, we worship in this moment. We declare that He is with us always. And I'd like to open up the front for anyone that would like prayer, our prayer team, David and Sonia, and others will be available to pray for you. And then after as the song finishes, we are going to celebrate as a church together as we baptize these three beautiful ladies. Are you with me? Let's worship.